2: Perhaps the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. Welcome to today's episode of Highlights 2021. It's been a real pleasure actually bringing you these different episodes with different speakers that I have around the world that I've interviewed in 2021. Highlights, insights, observations, learnings. There's so much stuff to actually take in and learn from the wonderful guests. So let's get into it. So episode 222. This is Matt Edmondson, A Desire to Constantly Learn. Episode 224. Richard Taurima. His leaders need to focus on what matters matters. And 225 Ken Miller, unlocking their potential. Okay, listeners, get ready for the mashup of the highlights.
0: So I, like I said, live in Liverpool. I've been here, like I say, since the early 90s. I'm married to the most beautiful lady on the planet. I'm happily married for over 20 years, my I have 3 amazing kids. I still get on really well with my kids, have a great relationship with my kids. Um So for me, that means I'm successful, I suppose, in a lot of ways. And yeah, I just... I love my life. I run uh, my own businesses. We do e-commerce, kind of stumbled into it by accident, as you do. It's funny you mentioned about most people, they, want, they set a goal and they chase after it. That is, I could almost write a book called The Ungoal Life or something like that, because it's definitely not my story, at least not my usual story. Stumbled into e-commerce and built and sold my first e-commerce business in 2002 fell in love with the whole thing and here i am almost 20 years later still doing it
2: well that's that's awesome man so uh yeah maybe the goal maybe the the, the book could be setting goals sucks or something like that
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like your title better yeah, yeah. let's use that one mm. <laughs>
2: And so when you said, um, you know, about success in life and so forth, it's really amazing what success means to a lot of people. Uh, I worked for a guy when I was living in Greece for five years, a billionaire, had 30 companies under his group and things like that. But everywhere he went, he would have two bodyguards go beforehand for a couple of hours checking things out, had six guys around him all the time, couldn't go to the bathroom without the guys going in and checking first. And I'm like, is that really success? I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's really amazing. And, and then you talk about what you're talking about, about your kids and family life and things like that. And that is maybe six, success. And I'm like, yep. I mean, it depends for everybody, but it's, sometimes it's just the simple things in life that make you successful.
0: It is. I think it comes down to clarifying what it is that's important to you mm-hmm. uh, and, and making sure that actually you succeed there first. Nice. It became apparent to me earlier in my career, I, wasn't, I was in my early 20s and We have this thing in the UK called the Times Top 10 Rich List. And it lists out the the wealthiest people in the UK. Well, at the time, I designed and installed quite luxurious health spas, you know, like saunas and steam rooms and things like that. This was sort of pre-internet days. And so I would spend a lot of my time designing spas and laying them out. And I got to know a lot of the people on the Times Rich List, on the Times Mm. Top 10 Rich List. In fact, at one point in time, A large chunk of them were in my mobile phone, uh, and I could call them up and I would talk to them. I've been on their private jets. I've been in their very expensive ski chalets. I've been in their very expensive homes. I've seen art which cost tens of millions of pounds. On the wall. And do you know what? One of the things that was sort of common to all of them was none of them really succeeded where their family was concerned. Oh, and I, wow. And it absolutely fascinated me. A lot of them had estranged kids or they'd been divorced many times. And it's like I appreciated they'd worked hard and they succeeded from a wealth point of view. But for me, success is more than just about money. I have this thing, the sort of the five areas of my life that I look at, and that's just one of them. So I learned this very early on. It's not just about the money. you've got to succeed in other areas as well and yeah I, I'm glad I learned that lesson young let me tell you yeah
2: wow that that's that's fascinating and I think um massive lessons for you and learning from from those kind of people and stepping back and actually reflecting on you know their lives and so forth. but yeah, it's not always just about money hmm, interesting. How did you get into leadership?
0: again, I think it's more by more by accident i I think fundamentally, one of the the lessons you learn in life very quickly is actually, if you're going to do well in anything, you need to work with people. As much as you know, the digital nomad, I can work by myself on a beach, lifestyle appeals to a lot of people. The reality of it is if you want to build a company, you have to work with people. And so leadership then becomes one of those things that you have to do. You You have to learn. You have to learn it if you want to build a business. You have to learn it if you want to build a family. Um, You have to learn it if you want to better yourself in any way because self-leadership is one of those things that is you know, a super important topic, mastery of self. So leading yourself, your family, your kids, do you know what I mean? It doesn't matter what sphere you're in, sports, you know, talking about Liverpool Football Club. Um, Liverpool Football Club is the epitome of phenomenal leadership right now. And so you've got to get on with people, you've got to work with people, and you have to lead people if you want to achieve something more than just, you know, what you can do with your own skills and talents.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Isn't it? and- the, the football club is an example, and I think a lot of businesses, and even right down to family units, if I can put it that way. Uh, if you see a well-oiled machine or a, an organization whereby it does come down to people and it goes really well and, and comes along, it's amazing where it goes and the, the performance, the productivity, the experience, the fun, the love, mm-hmm. all of that has been shared. It's really amazing to see how that comes along. When an organization or a family or something a unit is not going well, it mm. really, really shows and sticks out.
3: Yep. I'm pretty much entrepreneurial. I started in the sales field. So I was a sales rep selling uh, industrial products, uh, services. I had a large territory, pretty much all of New Zealand. So what I learned from there is uh, I learned a number of things that sales are the wealth creators of companies. That's the first thing I learned, especially if you work for an American company, they really look after you. (laughs) if You can bring in the goods and the money. But my background was built on sales. Uh, The foundation was built on sales. I developed it. I learned techniques and skills, and I honed in my particular skills in actually creating their wealth and building up relationships. That's what I learned. So a bit about myself, I went into business on a number of times. We created a large company, a big IT training company, probably towards the end of the 80s. And we caught the wave, you know, where people go going to computers, they need to be trained on it. So we actually caught the, the wave and created a large wealth. And I learned about... Leadership. I learned about you know large and large numbers of staff and what that incorporates and what that entails. But I'll 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 speak more about that later on about staff and. I learned the technology at an early age, because right now technology is everywhere. So I've lived in Egypt for two years, Middle East, Saudi for a year, Philippines for two years, up in China. So I've been around and I went from sales and I really dove into the international side of business. I speak a number of foreign languages, which is very helpful. But also being Maori, being culture, you can actually accept other cultures, which is important. And being religious, I'm religious. So you learn about islam and about the catholics in the philippines so you've got to be mindful of if you are to succeed and that's something where people miss that opportunity you know you got to understand the cultures and i yeah and i mastered that so that's about me tech companies i own a an it company i own a a construction company which we're doing very well at the moment because of what's happening out there so we bring finance in and right now we're um financing projects that have sort of gone bunk <laughs> so we've caught that wave and also a decentralized system from america we're putting that in a number of countries um right now so decentralization is another sort of a change so you've got to catch that wave and you've got to understand the opportunity and sales taught me that so that's about me um awesome i'm open friendly you know um, yeah yeah don't smoke
2: <laughs> yeah yeah
3: hey tell me when you said
2: decentralization as uh, it's, it's a thing at the moment what, what, what do you mean by that
3: Decentralization is protecting your own privacy and it's protecting your own assets. A centralized system is where everything is open and so anyone can see it. A decentralized has mainly come the lines of blockchain, blockchain technology. So, for example, in America, there's well, I heard there was nine and a half million people that couldn't get married last year because of COVID. So they come up with a decentralized system, (laughs) you get it. So it can be done, you know, and it can be verified and you own it. And cryptocurrency is sort of based on that a number of cryptocurrencies are based on a decentralized system. Yeah. Yeah. The, the attraction to that is um, it gets rid of a lot of jobs, mm-hmm. accountants, lawyers. You know, you actually don't need them. Right, right. You know, yeah, that's their nemesis, this, this uh, decentralized system. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So it's kind of exciting, yeah.
2: Yeah. And hey, whereabouts did you grow up in New Zealand?
3: Oh, sorry. I grew up in Poirierville, Wellington. Oh, wow. Bread. Yeah. Wow. Poirierville. Oh, Poirierville. Oh, uh, yeah. And no, I lived in Christchurch for 13 years. Hamilton for a number of years. Auckland. Went back to put it My mother still lives down there. I go down there and see. Her. But uh, I mean, I like Auckland. I mean, I, I actually love Auckland. I, I grew to love it. Christchurch. I love, South Island. Loved it. And, and and where I grew up has an impact on your character when you're brought up with. Because put it all was we were close in a bunch and. Great place to be brought up. Did the mm. outdoors thing. Well, they didn't have internet then, you know. So you go and play outside.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Not, not Oh, creative. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so listeners, you're listening to two Wellingtonians here. Um, <laughs> we both were born yeah. in, in in Wellington, and um, and so Richard's in Potorua, and I was in Miramar, and the eastern oh, suburbs, yeah. and and so that's where I grew up as well. And um, but we're both now living in Auckland. And both loving the city, so which is really cool. So, Richard, thanks for sharing the background. That's awesome to hear. Hey, a little bit about how did you get into leadership? So, you shared a little bit about the sales side of things and yep. getting involved and, and, and living in different countries, but how did you get into leadership?
3: Leadership, how I got into this is actually, when you start owning your own companies. Uh, when I was going through the sales field, uh, you know, you got management, you got leadership. Leadership was more about relationship building. And they could see your leadership in terms of you representing your company, the products or services you got on offer. And it's about the techniques and styles on how you use to I guess make a sale. So I started to use that and then when we went into business, you know, we grew a company up to about five hundred staff. And that was big. So, leadership then got more important. So, how do you motivate? How do you be in tune with your staff when there's so many? You know, so mainly you got to rely You, you can't be everywhere at once. So, you got to have managers that manage people, and then the managers have got to be trained, and you got to get the reports, and you got to make sure are the reports accurate? Are they viable? Do they make sense? You know, can you make sense out of all this data? So, leadership is about, to me, well, what brought me into it is actually be more effective, more efficient, and uh, your delivery. Deliveries of what you've got to do. Measuring your outcomes was important, but also um, in business, obviously, uh, money is is everything, and also creating that cash flow. So, leadership is about making people account. If you pay the manager a good salary, then obviously their responsibilities are important to you because you want accurate information, you want to see the proof that the work has been done, and the result is, is that. Your customers are happy, their staff is happy, which are your staff, and you're making money, (laughs) you know, and any problems that arise because nothing goes according to plan. That the leadership style that you've incorporated allows that to actually solve those issues or problems that come around.
2: yeah, it's interesting how a lot of things in life people even watching it watching people do projects and things like that, and they think there is a budget, but it's never going to be the right budget because it never works out mm. to be that way, and it's quite interesting how you you know you've got to be able to adjust and adapt with that. Hmm. And yeah it's really 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 interesting to see and so 500 staff that's awesome and to see and then having that right leadership team around you which would have been, would have been important and making sure people are there to account. Now when we say account we don't mean counting numbers only team. Hmm. we're talking about being accountable right and that's that's probably a big thing we we're, we're needing to see. do you think we see enough
3: leaders today? being accountable and taking ownership, Bridget. Uh, that's a good one. I've been in a, like, uh, I do a lot of contract work, mainly in economic development, business development. And what I see is is board boards of these organizations, they hire the wrong person mm. for the job. And straight away, you're off to a bad start. And I don't know what's going wrong, the processing or whatever. Excuse me, I always put it down to they really don't know the type of person they want to lead this organization. Right. Or, or it's not clear what the objectives that they want to achieve. And so if you've got the wrong leader in there, and it could be a narcissist, it could be someone that has its own agenda, there's major problems. And it's like a project manager. If you start it wrong, it's going to start going wrong all the way through, and it's just going to get worse so that's that's what I've seen, and I think leaders the leader quality is to me is people people, a people's person, you know they understand it, they get it, they can see through crap <laughs> they can they can smell it, you know, and they can see it, but they also have solutions to that. you know a leader in, in my ways is someone that is not afraid to get their hands dirty, uh, he speaks from experience, he or she speaks from experience, they know the real deal. And they can actually motivate people to actually make them feel highly motivated and to get their job done. It's not about belittling them or blaming them or anything like that because that just creates um, confusion too. So someone that's not a very, very good leader and it shows where well, you get quality staff go innovation and all that stuff is sort of suppressed and then you, all you've got is just a soup of um, mess. Mm.
2: Leaders quality is is a people
3: person or people people. People, people, someone that's a people's person, you know, that can understand people, that's interactive, is approachable, you know, Mm -hmm. but also is very clear on what needs to be done.
2: I see that you went to University of Chicago and you did an MBA there and a marketing and finance and you've also been to State University of New York, married, two sons and two grandsons as well, huh? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to share about your background?
1: Um, Yes, Dennis, I guess I'm everything healthcare, right? I've been in the healthcare industry for almost 32 years now why I chose the healthcare industry. It gave me the opportunity to pursue my professional goals, but while at the same time, being able to do something for the world, being able to give back. And in the healthcare industry, we are in the unique position to not only help provide for our families, but also be able to help the lives of millions of people around the world. And so that's why I chose healthcare. I had the good fortune of working for some of the greatest companies in the world, companies that are now Sanofi, Aventus, Pfizer, Roche Labs, and most recently, Becton Dickinson and now NASCO Healthcare. I feel very privileged that I had the chance to work at these organizations to build the leadership skills, mobilize teams, and ultimately have that impact around the world. So, I'm really excited to be on this podcast. I do believe that the world is changing. It is a very fast-paced market, and I believe that leaders need to adapt and change as well.
2: Yeah, totally agree, Ken. And Ken, tell me, let's talk about a little bit about healthcare, as you said, and leaders, because... Are leaders really looking after themselves well enough? I mean, they're working long hours. They're under a lot of stress, pressure. As you said, the world's changing. So both from a social perspective, technology, business, it's just changing so fast. Are leaders really looking after themselves well?
1: Probably not as well as they should, Dennis, right? You know, leaders are like an athlete to some degree, you know, highly competitive, willing to give everything in which they have to be successful and have a tireless appetite to succeed. And as a result, you probably work a little bit longer than you should. You probably miss some school events, whether it be dance recitals or sporting events. You probably don't get to take as many vacations with your family as you would like to, but at the same time, you're probably satisfying a lot of those professional goals and objectives that you had for yourself, and hopefully at the same time, being able to put your family in a position to be able to reach some of their goals and ambitions.
2: Hmm. And for you in your career and the different executive roles that you've had, how have you Worked or in in the work life balance? How have you done that? Hey,
1: hey, it's it's really really difficult, Dennis. I, I believe that you've got to have a work ethic which is second to none to really have an impact around the world. You've got to have a commitment to practice the best habits, right? And you don't get to do those habits three days a week or five days a week. You've got to wake up every morning with the desire and ambition to make a, a difference. And as a result of that, that appetite, that desire doesn't stop at 5 p.m. Therefore, it goes deep into the night and sometimes transitions into the weekends. But what I would say is that I've got an incredible support network, whether it be my wife, which is my absolute best friend. She enables me to be able to do the work in which I do and commit myself the way in which I do. As well, I've got a team that I work with that definitely has the capability and talent to be successful as long as I'm there to give them the resources and support to be able to achieve their objectives.
2: Tremendous. Thank you. There's some real strong insights there, uh, listeners, as we're listening to Ken as he's sharing his his experience there around how he does the work-life balance. And, you know, it is interesting because we all are under pressure and we we do find things and people go, is, it, is there a difference between work and there's a difference between life? Well, it is your life, isn't it? And it's part of your life and it's, it's all part of it. And it's a package. But it's really interesting. So, Ken, how did you get into leadership?
1: You know, I assume that my mom and dad kind of prepared me to be a leader all of my life. They gave me enough independence and enough support to allow me to venture out, take risks, fail, learn from those failures. But at the same time, they were there to support me during those failures. And I think as a result of that, that helped to build the muscle, the leadership muscle in me. Second, my mom always told me, be a leader, don't be a follower. You set the path. You do what you think is best for you. And third, my grandmother always told me, listen, you can do anything you put your mind to as long as you're willing to put in the work. So therefore, I think that from being a youngster, I started to develop some of those leadership skills. But in my professional career... I just had the great fortune of working for some great companies, some other great leaders that saw something great in me, and they were willing to invest, groom, coach, mentor, and guide. And as a result, I was able to elevate into different roles. Those roles, Dennis, are really what helped to shape me into the leader in which I am. It's those individual experiences, whether it was the first role I had as a sales consultant or being the worldwide president of the diabetes care business unit at Beckton Dickinson. Each of those experiences helped to shape me into the leader in which I am today.
2: Yeah, tremendous. And uh, wonderful to see the foundation there from the family side of course, and um, and then you building on that. And as you said, it's about having that support network around you, first of all, around the family, and then, of course, and through the corporate world and, and helping you and they seeing something in you and helping you develop as well, which is really, really important. And I think the other thing I say to people too, Ken, I'd love to get your thoughts on this, is for a lot of people, they rely on the organization to develop them. And I'm like, don't rely on the organization. Do what you need to do to, to develop as a leader. How have you done that over the years?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that you have have to have an insatiable appetite of curiosity, right? You've got to want to continuously learn and develop. So whether that be reading leadership books, taking a leadership course, observing and monitoring the behaviors and decision-making of other leaders that you respect and value, asking questions uh, to, to gain understanding not to be understood, All of those things, I think, help to um, shape me into the leader. I also wanted to go back really quickly, Dennis, to the the work-life balance and why I'm able to do that. I mentioned my wife being my best friend, but she is equally as passionate as I am about my professional success as I am. And as a result, she is motivating to me. She's inspiring to me. She is my greatest sounding board when I'm facing challenges at work. And she gives me perspective and helps me make better decisions.
2: There you go, listeners. Wow, what a wonderful episode of three brilliant guests. You Imagine you going to a university and deciding on the university because of the football team that you actually support. Wow, that was amazing that Matt shared. And wonderful insights from all three of them. Matt Edmondson from episode 222. 224, uh, that episode is Richard Torima, and of course 225 is Ken Miller. I'm going to highly encourage you now to go back and listen to those episodes in full because I'm sure you're going to learn other great insights and learnings from those different episodes. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing Look out for the episodes as they're being released, download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends, your family, and your network. Hey, if there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show, or if there's a question you have for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, then send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now.